0: Hey, everyone. I'm very excited to be able to share this conversation that Lewis and I just had with Aaron Subic. Aaron is a licensed professional therapist who helps people with porn and sex addictions. And one of the things he said in the episode about addictions is that addictions are about connection, Uh, specifically uh, one's own ability or even willingness to connect with themselves in a true and healthy way. So listen for that in the episode. It's a it's a it's a it's a powerful um, lesson that we can glean from this conversation. And as we begin, I want to mention uh, great thanks to our BS crew who continue to support us on a monthly basis. And also let you know that if you want to become a BS crew member to help us continue the show, we have some fees coming up at the beginning of the year that we need to uh, pay to be able to uh, have this uh, this podcast c- continue on. We have some great guests lined up in the next several weeks that we're excited to um, to share with you and to bring to you. Uh, but we need your help. We need your support. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash bumperstickerfaith, or you can just go to our website, bumperstickerfaith.com, and look at the menu and click the BS Crew tab, and you'll be able to learn how you can support us. The The lowest level is $5 a month, and it goes to, uh, I believe, $10 and then $20 a month. So it, so it's not much, but it would do uh, a great deal to help us to continue to do this. So thank you for listening, for your attention. Again, this is a great episode. I hope you um, learn from it, and I hope you share it with those in your lives who would benefit from it.
1: What's up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Face. My name is Lewis Dooley. I got my brother Sam Key in the house. What's up, my brother? Good morning. Happy bump day. Happy bump remember day, man. Remember it's bump day. It is, yeah, I remember it's bump day, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to remember a bump day because I'm always thinking about hump day. No, no, you know, you
0: can't be humping. You got to be bumping.
1: <clears throat> hey, you heard it, y'all. Should we edit that out? Yeah. I, hey, you, gotta you be know, careful man. with that, sir. Because I keep literally... send you flying through a wall. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. But today, man, is a Whew, man today gonna be a deep day yeah why a good day a good day but a deep day we and have that's another, because we got a friend of yours you know a guy that you know yeah i'm we just getting another, to know
0: another guest on the show for episode
1: 55 the double nickel
0: <laughs> for episode 55 so we have a guy in the room his name is aaron Subic. did i say that right or is it subic subic close enough Yeah. Subitch, subic subic and
2: you uh, <laughs> could do a lot of funny things with that. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of one. And
0: and, <laughs> and uh, Aaron is a therapist, and he mm-hmm. deals primarily mm-hmm. with uh, guys and sex with sex and porn
1: addictions. Yep.
0: And uh, that's what
1: we're going to be talking about. Today. Is that why you land on a couch today?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: get some
0: therapy. I'm glad we got rid of the video. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, video wouldn't be appropriate. For yeah. <clears throat> Mm. But um, yeah, we have we have Aaron in the studio, and um, uh, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, Aaron, thanks for joining us yeah. today, brother. It's a pleasure, privilege, and thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. So we need we need to jump right in because I'm sure, like most of our episodes, like we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, well,
0: right away, he has an Ohio State Buckeyes mug.
1: Yeah. I just got to note that I got. Oh,
0: to... I got to point that out. That
1: ain't really too noteworthy worthy right now. Oh, let's not talk about the So, I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. That's what probably people... And I'm I'm like, if there's <laughs> one team in college football I can't stand, it's the Ohio State Buckeyes. Oh, guys. my goodness. Now it comes it out. It just is, you know. Yeah. never liked me. Too arrogant for me. Yeah. You know, I'm like Alabama.
0: <laughs> too arrogant, Alabama?
1: Yeah, too <clears throat> arrogant like Alabama.
0: Ohio State's humble. Yeah. <laughs> The I humble, <laughs> the Ohio I State <laughs> University. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks. And uh, tell us about what you do.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm a therapist. My job is to, I'd say, not unlike what we're doing here. Like, it's it's to sit with people mm. and uh, and get to it, what's really, really going on. So I tell a lot of my clients I would rather be sitting with them than on the 50-yard line or half court of any sporting event. Cause wow all the real stuff happens when that mm. door closes and mm. you really get to it. Right. So yeah. I, uh, I have a thirst mm. and a hunger for the deep. Like I, I'm not satisfied with just the, you know, passing, you know, sort of uh shallower surfacey stuff. stuff. So what like you're saying <laughs> is
0: that like, everyone's life life is more interesting than the most interesting sporting event right right so
2: i mean the best fiction and we say it truth stranger than fiction Mm -hmm. like so the best of our entertainment came from some story that actually Mm -hmm. got lit and so i i mean this is a slightly voyeuristic of me and i'll apologize Mm -hmm. for that part Mm -hmm. of it but not for the part that just wants to really live and abundantly Mm -hmm. and so yeah being a therapist uh, was the closest i could get to As real as it gets. And I'm glad that I figured out that I could finally get paid to do it because I wasn't doing a good job Mm. in the real working world. Mm. Because this is all I wanted to do. (laughs) I wanted to talk about the stuff that really mattered and Mm. frankly, like half the stuff that (laughs) a lot of people do every day in their jobs, like people are left with that sense of dissatisfaction. So I feel like I hit the jackpot. Amen. I can do this forever and I can't believe I get paid for it. What
0: like struck me the most (laughs) about you, like right, right at the beginning, is is I looked you up online? Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> oh boy, which is weird, right? Yeah, oh, that's all right. <laughs> no, but um, that but you're a Christian too. Yeah. Right. And also, you have a huge heart to help guys, especially right. struggling with a very uh, shameful issue. Right. That culturally speaking, there's a lot of um, rejection about and looking down upon, and and we're probably going to get into the church, too, and the church's view on this, is, this issue and, and, and struggles with addiction. But here's a guy who is a Christian who says, no, I, I have hope for these guys, and yeah. I, want to, um, I want to help.
2: Yeah, I got, I got used to talking about something that the church and culture at large doesn't talk about. And so mm-hmm. that, there's my shtick there's my right there. Like I'm the guy that you can talk to mm-hmm. about anything and related to sex Mm -hmm. and so even saying sex right like i practice it i talk about sex all day every day it's there's still something that comes Mm. up in me that says "Ooh, is this safe is it okay to talk about Mm -hmm. this because it's not it's not safe to talk about in in pop culture unless you're either joking Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you're like performing right Mm -hmm. and that's the thing is like sex was never meant i don't think sex is about a performance i think it's about connection Mm -hmm. but we don't connect (laughs) about sex like the most awkward conversation you have as a kid the sex talk right Mm -hmm. like the most awkward sermon is oh my gosh he's gonna talk about something sexual (laughs) like people get up and walk out because they're so uncomfortable because we're so not acclimated Mm -hmm. to having that conversation so that's kind of me and right i i have some uh former classmates of mine from way back like elementary school when I ran into one what do you do I'm a sex therapist and <laughs> you could just see them kind of like their eyes get big and like they like, they lean back like oh Don't my try gosh to me. right you know like because I mean it just brings it, it, this area is so underdeveloped and mm. the information that's out there is so um, packaged mm. and mm. Uh, rife with agenda and people just get caught up and taken along with it, mm-hmm. right? So Now do
1: you think that is mostly a United States thing or you think it's a worldwide Oh thing? yeah,
2: no, worldwide. Unfortunately, I think the United States actually informs a lot of the rest of the world now because we're mm. so we produce so much material. So we're the leaders yeah of a really really sick unfortunately mm. misled, right? sort wow. of agenda that says that this is a commercial thing or this is mm-hmm. something that you should be participating it, they should be doing this way or you should be getting this. And, and right, there's people that make ungodly amounts of money, right? So mm-hmm. por- the porn industry uh, makes more money every year than all of Major League Football, Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball combined. Wow. So you take, you know, all these, <clears throat> own, you think, you know, I made it to the top. I own a major league sports franchise. Nah, you should be a pornographer <clears throat> if you wanted money. <laughs> so wow. I mean, like, it's crazy. Wow. See, I
1: always kind of thought that uh, other countries, like, you know, you hear growing up about like the nude beaches and other countries and topless beaches and how like even when I was out of the country in Eastern Europe one time, I turned the TV on and there were like people on the news that were topless. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And It wasn't like a porn channel and it was like real news. And I was like, you know, it's probably our culture in America that, I don't know, I don't know, I just thought like other countries may not be tripping off of sex as much mm-hmm. as the U.S. does.
2: Yeah, I I just don't see that. Like I see right, like information that talks about trafficking and especially sex trafficking, and it's a it's a worldwide endeavor. There, I mean, it's a dangerous world to be an attractive female because you just don't know (laughs) Mm. where it's coming from. Next, I do talk Mm. to women too in my practice, and it's just they're so discouraged Mm. that you know it's just so dehumanizing too because. I mean, I'm not my body, and thank goodness, because mm-hmm. I, man, there's lots of things about my body. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just too. like, come on, man, you know, like I want to be known for who I am, mm-hmm. and and uh, unfortunately, what we encounter about sex is it's just purely about bodies and acrobatics, mm-hmm. really. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, like if you do encounter porn, like that's not how sex works mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the time. So, mm-hmm. actually, I heard a, a an amazing interview of a of a performer, and it was a it was a guy, and he said, you know, the thing about my performances are I'm actually trying to have sex with someone while being as far from them as I'm possibly physically able to be. Hmm. And it's completely different than any actual intimate relationship mm-hmm. I've ever had where I'm trying to be close to them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and there's a reason for that, right? Like we're mm-hmm. actually just creating a product that's meant to engender a fantasy so when someone else can put themselves into my spot. Mm-hmm. And that's wow. just so sad. Like wow. right. Like, but there's a lot more going on too than just that so.
0: well at bumper sticker faith we definitely want to tear the bumper stickers off of any superficial um, at a distance notion and we want to yeah. we really want to help people with this with this episode yep and uh, I think part part of
2: the help of that is your story and and how you got to be doing what you're doing yeah so most of the things that I get into I get into the old-fashioned oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> would I get here with. <laughs> so most of my, my successes actually came out of big mistakes. So uh, I got into this field uh, because I kind of flunked out. I'd say of like the other things I did. Started off in uh, like social work and got my butt kicked <laughs> mm. by a bunch of teenagers that were just a lot harder than I was, and <sighs> they were going to outlast mm. me no matter what. Um, went to the nonprofit world, just got super discouraged by how many people say they're there to serve others, but they're taking care of themselves first. And mm. that didn't look good or wow. feel good. Tried to do the church world thing for a while. And then uh, actually <laughs> I got asked to leave because they didn't like finding out that I wanted to be really honest about where I was at. And that mm. wasn't, I was, I, didn't, I don't think I was good enough. Mm. And uh, ended up in marketing and the for-profit world. You can See the pattern, right? Like in just wasn't really honestly truly interested enough in it to be able to sustain the kind of work that I think they, they wanted it done and I didn't want to pretend there either. Uh, and at that point I really hit the crisis of my life that was actually related to all this stuff is that mm-hmm. I, I had developed my own addiction and uh, was trying to get my needs met in ways that just weren't ever going to work. And then in my own recovery realized, Oh wow, like, <laughs> wow, there was a lot going on for mm-hmm. me. And, uh, in my process of getting honest, realized that I needed to go do something that I was both really actually truly interested in doing, Mm -hmm. and then maybe a little bit more made for. And it was teaching or counseling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just didn't see teaching being Mm. a place where people really could appreciate me for Mm -hmm. long. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to get kicked out of uh, being a teacher because I'm going to say all the wrong things, (laughs) to the wrong people, but once that door closes, there's confidentiality. Most of my clients don't go tell on me. So, mm-hmm. I, so good. far, so far, so good. I've hey man. Uh,
0: <laughs> so tell us about those clients. Like, what's what does the kind of average guy that comes to see you look like? Where, how, um, how has life turned out for him or for her that they find themselves with you?
2: Yeah. So I there's actually not a template. Okay. Um, I, you know, it'd be simpler if there was, but everybody's coming from such different places. I'd say the thing that's most commonly shared is just tons of shame. Mm-hmm. And, but like defining shame, like for me, shame is I am I feel unworthy or I'm not, I'm no good. So almost everybody that I come see, that comes sees me when they start, at least starts off from a place of I'm, I'm trash mm-hmm. or I'm not worthy or I'm not okay or I'm not, I'm not enough. Um, but that, I mean, I've worked with guys that, I mean, just, you know, like have every physical, you know, like material resource in the world, run companies. Uh, I've worked with people that, you know, are like trying to figure out where they're going to live tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's the but that's the thing that's the same is they both feel terrible about themselves, even hate themselves. Um, And they want to feel better. They Mm -hmm. really want to feel better. I I said to a group of guys once, the thing I appreciate about guys that are struggling with sex and love addiction and porn is they're really honest. (laughs) Mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. they go about getting their needs met because that, that's the one thing that porn will do for you it'll make you feel like a million mm-hmm. bucks like there's just something about someone saying it's about you and i here mm-hmm. i am for you and that's what i would say that that's the product of porn mm-hmm. is someone presenting themselves to their audience right and you can't do a whole lot more presenting than taking off all your clothes mm-hmm. and really exposing your body to whatever someone else wants to do with it so like yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I'd say that that's the thing that maybe mm-hmm. groups everyone together the most is they just people that want to feel worthy, want to feel better about themselves, want to know that they're they mean something, mm-hmm. that they're special. Um, there's a couple other templates. Um, I do get some guys that are so angry, but they don't know how to be angry. They don't know it's okay to be angry, and so they're they end up crossing boundaries because they they, they need they need to find a way to even the score somehow. Mm. So there are people that just, they, they revenge cheat mm-hmm. or they go mm. get something that makes them feel good because they're ticked at a partner ticked mm. at somebody. Um, but I would say those are two, the two biggest, mm-hmm. like, you know, people that are struggling on the, on the behavior side. Yeah. There's a whole nother class of people yeah. that are hurting really bad because they're getting betrayed or lied to or yeah. right like used. But
0: now does the, does the porn use, cause, and I know the answer is probably yes for both of these, but does the porn use cause the shame or does the shame cause the porn use? Yeah. It's a, it's a,
2: it's a self, uh, reinforcing, you know, pattern, which is why mm. it gets so addictive because right. Like if, a, if, a, if a woman, especially a really attractive woman is willing to come up to me and declothe and say, here I am for your enjoyment. Well, that is a ma- massive value <laughs> proposition for me. I mm. must be special. Mm-hmm. Because that just doesn't happen, right? Like, I mean, that's <laughs> not, like, not in my head, right? That's like, a lot. The story you're telling yourself. Yeah. The yeah. story by telling myself, wow, I must be amazing, right? Yeah. And, and sort of the, and there's all sort of value things that people are interested in, and porn, uh, you know, is happy, I think, to meet that, you know, appetite for different people, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, but then too, and outside of just the porn world and I mean, in a fair world, the same type of thing happens, right? Like I'm feeling terrible. I'm not happy with myself. And all of a sudden someone comes along that I deem attractive or interesting Mm -hmm. in someone and then they're available to me and they're giving themselves to me and that, okay, so now I can, I can get my value equation back. Right. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. right. Like it's just not sustainable. It's not real and it's not actually integrated in my life. And so I need more and more of it over time because it's like, like. Like the word
0: fantasy is like hovering over all of this, whether it's what you think the image on the screen is communicating to you, what you think the person you're about to have affair with is communicating with you. It's like you're trapped in this in this fantasy, yeah.
2: And there's no embrace of reality. Hundred percent. Fantasy is what we do to, you know, like imagine something better than what we have. It's an amazing gift that we have the ability to fantasize Mm -hmm. about what could be. Mm But it gets triggered when I'm uncomfortable mm-hmm. with what is. And it's really hard sometimes to face what is. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard to face that I'm not very good at my job and I have no desire to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, like, what does that mean for me? Do I have to go back to school? Do I have to quit? What's that gonna mean for my, I mean, that's just like that, that's a just. Dis- i mm-hmm. I'm so uncomfortable right now. Yeah, I wanna go someplace else. Yeah. And, if, you know, <laughs> or so I can click onto something else real fast. Like, that's really convenient.
1: Yeah, so I wanna ask a question that may be kind of weird, but it just crossed my mind. So I know, that being in prison and, and taking different programs and classes, and when I was in there, um, rape would come up a lot. Yeah. And yeah. the number one reason I always heard that people commit rape isn't about the sex, it's about power and control power. over someone. Right. Do you see that in porn addiction at all? Like, yeah. is that a.
2: Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's an awful, actually, unfortunately, it's the fastest growing category. Porn is really violent stuff. And, uh, you know, so you get a a disenfranchised, unempowered person that's not getting listened to, not getting taken seriously, not getting any help. And, you know, they're feeling like what's, what's wrong with this and and they're angry about it Mm -hmm. and they want to feel better. And they already know that porn makes them feel better. And then they discover that first video of something that, wow, that guy is really powerful. Look at, he can do whatever he wants and Mm -hmm. that person's powerless to stop him. And it's not just rape. I mean, like their violence gets extended into bondage. It gets extended into power differentials too, right? Mm. So like, I mean, the I I think it was a couple of years ago I heard the statistics Pornhub uh, don't go there. I probably shouldn't have said the name, but they put (laughs) out their statistics on what people are seeing. And like, I think it was like six of the top 10 most watch categories were, um, were family oriented things. Mm -hmm. So incest, incest related. So, you Mm -hmm. know, like moms and sons and fathers and daughters, right. Like, and, and uh, you know, like bosses and employees. And so, right. Like, wow, I want to have that kind of power where I can get what I want because I'm in power. Right. And so Mm -hmm. this isn't, I mean, rape is obviously an extreme, but it's, there's a spectrum that a lot of people end Mm -hmm. up on. And then another terrible thing happens too. Just our brains try to figure out if they need to, so we can survive. What the heck just happened to me? Mm. And so, if you've had that unfortunate experience of you know being abused or being taken advantage of or you know being seduced by someone in power, there's a thing called. Um, Rep, uh, trauma repetition where you might put yourself back in that same situation to try to figure out what went mm. wrong and how you're mm. going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so wow. sometimes people actually put themselves back in the same situation over and over and over. They don't want to, they just do. This is like mm-hmm. a great example of that would be that domestic violence victim. You know, like, how can you stay with this mm-hmm. guy that's hurting yeah. you? Well, I'm trying to figure it out. And one of the things that actually can start feeling good is that th- those cycles end. So it happens and it's over. And it could feel good that it's over. And so you just you're not getting out of it. You don't know why it's happening, but it just does feel good when it's over. So you're willing to tolerate it because you know mm-hmm. it'll end. And so just wow. pra- right now, like, there's mm-hmm. a there's an enemy, and he's really actually still trying to yeah, still kill yeah. and destroy. And there's the some devil pretty, yeah, serious mechanisms that mm-hmm. he uses. And so
0: like sticking with that, like I've said before on this podcast that. Sin, sin, is sin, and sin is wrong, obviously. But sin, from another angle, can also be seen as a symptom, right? S- and like, like I, I encourage people to study their sins, or at least think about them, because like you're trying, you're, you're, you're going after something. And like what you just said, people put themselves in the same situations, yeah. and so like my question is like, why? Why? Why the porn? Why the looking at females? Like, what is it? What What is my, what is my quote unquote sin trying to tell me? Like that I need, that I want. And and one of the things you said was maybe this is kind of a, a confused and um, just wrong way of, of trying to get power or. Or maybe it, maybe it's something else. Like, what is affirmation the, need, love need, affirmation, yeah, validation. Sure.
2: Lots of lots of those. Yeah.
0: So your sin is trying to tell you, okay, the, I'm a symptom that you need this, yeah. but now you need it in a legitimate way, but you're trying to go after it in an obviously wrong and illegitimate way.
2: Yeah. I think I think it's like you said, it's both, right? Like sin's a state, and I say it's the state of separation. The most acutely disturbing state that you can be on this planet is utter isolation. Like, we literally, like, what the worst torture Mm -hmm. we have. We throw terrorists in shipping containers and leave them there for a week. Mm -hmm. That's how we get them to talk. Like, I mean, sure, you can torture them Mm -hmm. and make them fear hurt and pain, but you want to really unnerve someone is let them know that no one's coming, no one's Mm going to hear them, and they're just, they don't know if anyone's going to ever be there. And that's actually like, that's hell, right? God's going to remove himself from, you know, someone forever. Utter. Mm isolation right Mm. so like the worst torture possible and so if i'm separated in that state of sin if i'm away from and disconnected from myself from you Mm. from society from people i care about well i'm in acute distress Mm -hmm. Mm. the the thing that gets relieved the fastest when people come into treatment is oh i'm not alone everyone says Mm. that. i thought i was alone i thought i was the only Mm. one right it Mm. feels so good to know that other people are you know Mm. you know where i'm at and so you you start in that state of disconnection, mm-hmm. and but then also we label things sin because we just know well that's going to be disconnected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to punch someone in the face and feel like <laughs> closer to them in almost any circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you
1: do you see over the course of your work as a therapist that like one common or not one common, the most prevalent way that a person gets addicted?
2: Um, it, yeah, I would say that the thing that I see the most is just uh, exposure, early, early exposure, right? So, like, this is why we have, like, such stringent laws about, like, kids not being allowed, right? Like, why we rate movies, why, you know, because early brains aren't capable of handling the stuff that goes on in brains when you get exposed to this And when stuff. you say
1: early, you mean, like, 5 years old, 15 I, years you know, old? honestly,
2: right? Like, I don't know, the later the better because you need all your faculties. So the okay, amount of okay, dopamine... Okay. So dopamine is a really cool chemical in our heads. It's a it's our reward system. It, what's, it's what lets us know what's good or bad, right? Like yeah, yeah. avocados are really good. You know, <laughs> I get a lot of dopamine. <laughs> it's it's a great yeah, right. Like but, <laughs> I mean, yesterday. Uh, but yeah, just white bread, like you know, it's really good too, because there's a ton of energy in it. But you want to know what's good and bad. We need that system. But when something is so good or so bad, it it literally overwhelms your brain. And it does that for a good reason, because you need to learn and you need to develop that neural pathway like now to understand what's going on. And so your first exposure to sex will form all kinds of neural connections for you. Mm-hmm. Well, when that happens in a little kid, they don't have the capacity, the context, the mm-hmm. capability of like, let alone processing it, handling it, you know, integrating it into their life, knowing what to do with mm-hmm. it. And so, okay. and it never happens in a context where an adult's there to guide them and help them in an appropriate way. It happens when adults are there taking advantage of them. And so like, and when neural pathways form, they form in the context that's happening. So if your sexual template gets formed because your first exposure to sex was my body's to be used for someone else's gratification, you have a problem that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. And that's a travesty. It's a big deal. And when yeah. your 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 sexual template gets laid down by I discovered you know Daddy's dirty magazines, now what's what's associated with that? I'm sneaking around. I'm doing something in secret. I'm mm-hmm. alone. Yeah. Right? There's these women that are you know like supposed to look like this. Right? Like, and all these things get laid down in that template because of that dopamine explosion. And so I think the thing that I see the most is just it's a lot of tragedy. Of way early exposure exposure in context that just wasn't helpful wasn't interested in that person that i'm exposed interested in interacting yeah. with health <clears throat> but then also to yeah i mean that's the biggest one
1: yeah i know that you know for our listeners i don't know you don't know we don't know who listens to all these uh, mm-hmm. podcasts but if you aren't addicted to porn and you have children or maybe you have grandchildren. I think it's very important what Aaron just said. And I know Mm -hmm. I can relate totally because I can remember maybe the age of like six, seven, eight, being exposed to literally like sex, like other people doing it, but seeing it and not knowing what the heck it was. So it really didn't impact me. But when I was around 13 or 14, just a few years later, I remember a friend of mine had a girly magazine and we started looking at it. And I remember the first time, and I remember I tore some pages out mm-hmm. and put it in my pocket. And like a couple of days later, my mom called me in the mm-hmm. laundry room. She's like, What's this stuff in your pockets? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? How'd it get in your pocket? I don't know. Yeah, right. You know, and it was like, I just, all of a sudden, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I yeah. wanted more and more and more. And that turned into like, Checking out videos back in the day, like before even Blockbuster, the neighborhood mm-hmm. video store, like getting these <coughs> movies that, you know, were soft porn in actuality yeah. because I couldn't get my hands on the real thing. And then it was then it perpetuated itself to being in school yep. and me like not even paying attention to anything but the girls. And I kind of jokingly would tell people like I have a high school diploma, even though I was selling drugs and doing all <laughs> kind of stuff in school. i never missed school. Mm. I never missed school because that's what the girls were. <laughs> You know, so I was like a horn dog, you know, and I I don't say that with pride, but but because of that early exposure and not having an adult be able to walk me through and explain the proper context and what it was and what it was doing to me, man, (laughs) it it turned me into a, a, a maniac when it came to how I view women. And I had to really like get with God, you know, a few years later when I was in prison and start addressing these issues that I had.
2: It totally overwhelms you. You weren't you weren't ready. You weren't ready to see what you saw. You weren't ready to experience the things that go with what you were seeing. And Mm -hmm. like that's the that's the tragedy, right? Like and boundaries protect and our boundaries are gone. They're gone. And so our kids are gonna get exposed early. And it yeah, we protect, we wanna protect, but the most important thing (laughs) I think that we can do for our kids is like make sure that they know That we have that, we'll have that conversation with them. So, starting early by letting kids know that they have bodies and that there are special parts of our bodies Mm -hmm. that are, you know, like special and important that we protect and that other people shouldn't be ever interacting with that part of your body or you shouldn't ever have to be interacting with them. And then growing as they grow with them Mm -hmm. in that context. If that conversation can happen, we can equip our kids with the tools that they're going to need to hopefully. Right. Yeah. But it, but it is such a big deal. Like yeah. it's hard for. Well,
1: I hear, I hear what you're saying and I'm thinking like we must do this and have these conversations. But then I think about reality and social media yeah. and all mm-hmm. it takes is for you to click on one type of video that may be somewhat innocent. And then you just get flooded with all types of photos reels and all these types of things and it just perpetually gets worse and worse and so that's fighting against the conversations you're having and it's almost like how can you win
2: yeah yeah Hmm. it's it's hard it's super hard i mean so protection helps right like there are lots of things you can do as a parent to not put yourself in that in that context right to i mean social media actually was hearing a conversation on the way here on the radio about, yeah, my kids don't have social media and I wasn't listening to it. I was listening to a secular (laughs) section, you know, station. Like Mm -hmm. they, they know people know like this isn't good for kids. Mm -hmm. Right. But then also just giving the context of like, you have a relationship. If I have a person that can go talk to you about something, it totally changes the context. And so, letting my kids know early on that dad's a safe person to talk to about their bodies and what's
1: happening in their bodies. Yeah, I think that's the key. Mom and dad are safe to talk to about relationships. Because you can sit there as a parent and say, my child doesn't have social media. (laughs) Is he isolated in the house and never Mm -hmm. around any of his peers? Mm -hmm. Because if they got any peers, then there's a chance that if they don't get their friend's phone, they're sitting right there with them watching this stuff. And I don't know about girls, cause I'm not a girl, but you put a couple adolescent boys together and they'll figure out how to solve all the world's problems. Cause they are gonna dig deep, 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 and do all kinds of stuff. And so it's the conversations. Yeah. I think that's great, man. So that's what I want. You know, if you hear nothing else, if you're a listener today and you're thinking, man, I don't have a porn addiction. I don't watch that stuff. I'm cool. I'm celibate. If you don't think this stuff can relate to you, maybe it doesn't relate personally, But if you have children or you have grandchildren, like, to pour truth into them, especially from God's word about who they are in Christ and who he created them to be, why God created sex and the pleasures of it. Because it's not all about procreation. There's also pleasures in that. But how to have that in its proper place and to keep having them. It's not like having the birds and bees conversation one time, right? Like, I think we need to constantly keep having conversations about sex. So, man, this is great.
0: Well, let's have a little break and uh, we'll be back. I want to go back to the um, like the lying and sneaking and hiding you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. Um, yes, in the context of a parent's relationship with their kid, but uh, a guy's relationship with his spouse mm-hmm. or his friends. Yep. Um, lying and sneaking and hiding, I mean, talk about symptoms too. Right. But <laughs> when, when you're not, because when you're able, I've said this before too, when you're able to talk about something, if you're not able to talk about something, If you're not able to, it holds power over you. Right. And if you are able to talk about something, like I imagine these guys coming into you, these gals coming in to talk about it, like a power hold just breaks, right? right? Um, But talk
2: about lying and sneaking and hiding. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. (laughs) So on on break, uh, Luis, you said, like, is there anything that you're burning to talk about? And it's that, right? So if we're not, if we can't be safe people, and it's for ourselves, right? Like, if I can't feel okay with myself, like I'm not going there. No way. Like I don't, like I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get beat down. Like mm. I don't want to get picked on. Like I, I don't want to be, you know, exposed to to more pain. I'm hurting enough. And mm. so, you know, like, and that's that's all of us. And that's the that's the problem with sin. It's like, where's the safe place that I can go, confess my sin, ask for help with my sin? You know, talk about like how terrible it feels. And not get like ridden out of town because Mm -hmm. oh you're the sinner right, Mm -hmm. and that's that's further separation. Further separation, right? Like, and so, and I I mean, I know like along comes Jesus and says like you know, I got I got a solution for that, (laughs) and I'm the solution for that, and so you can come to me, and I'm always going to receive you and accept always, right? And then he gets mad at the people that say, No, you can't do that. And He's like, Yes, I can and watch me. Mm-hmm. And don't you dare get in the way because that's you're gonna I'm gonna go after you if get, if you mm-hmm. get in the way. And so that's it. Like the only answer for sin is always gonna be Jesus because it's gotta be a person. It has to be for our kids, for you know how they deal with life. And hopefully it's us, but it has to be us too for mm-hmm. we gotta go to someone. And so that's it, right? Like and the problem with so many of the things that we perpetually struggle with. Like think about the problem we have with anger in society. People are terrified of anger. So don't bring your anger here. Mm-hmm. It's not welcome. Mm-hmm. Well, where are they going to go with it? And it only grows. And, it, and then it grows. Right. And so, well, yeah. I have lust in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's a problem and I'm ashamed of it, but where do I go with it? That's mm-hmm. safe that, you know, I've got a chance of like mm-hmm. being heard and listened to and understood. So that, like what you were saying mm-hmm. is earlier, if we can get to know our sin, we get to know about ourselves, then we can work on it. But yeah, so that's it. Like the sneaking, the lying, like, okay, we label those things as bad. And they are because they are not part of the solution. But they also exist to keep somebody alive. And I would say this. It's not time to reveal your biggest vulnerabilities around people that you know are only going to hurt you with it. Mm. It's not. And so, good. like, I actually don't pick on mm. any of my clients for lying or hiding. What mm-hmm. I tell them is like, well, you did what you had to do to survive. Mm. And I don't know that I didn't do the exact same yeah. thing. But this stuff comes out when it's safe because it wants to. Like, I don't want to stay separated and alone mm. and ashamed for forever. I just need to find that place where I'm convinced that I'm not going to get hurt by saying to someone I'm hurt. Mm. <laughs> and it does. it is painful to come into the light. And there is a sense of, you know, like momentum with this stuff. Like we get to love being hidden because we get used to it but it's never really comfortable and what is is being accepted and received and loved and appreciated and helped and Mm -hmm. served. And so it's about love, right? Like, and it starts off with patience and kindness and gentleness and Mm -hmm. not keeping record of wrongs. And I need to find that. I I still need to find that right? -hmm. personally, but right. Like that's what, so, I mean, I love being a therapist because I get to offer that to my clients, right. Just for that hour. Mm -hmm. And I know I can do it for an hour for anybody could. Right. And it's, but it's harder with my kids, <laughs> yeah. and they know that. And unfortunately, right, like in my own fondness, I still contribute to mm-hmm. them not wanting to tell me things.
1: Yeah. So being being a Christian yourself and having God's Word be the uh, preeminent thing in your life to follow. Yeah. If you were to witness mm-hmm. to someone in the porn industry, whether it be a performer or an owner of a company or something like that, like is there like what would what would you say to them like yeah. how would you approach it
2: yeah i would start by by just trying to connect with them as a person first you know so i like and it would be a really interesting i'm actually really curious like how'd you get into this line of work? Mm. and then i think i'd start asking questions like are you happy mm-hmm. are you, how do you how you know are you, are you really satisfied do you love what you do and i i have had conversations with people over my years mm. and i've heard yeah I love this. I wouldn't change anything about my life. Okay. And I think at that point, like what I think I know is okay. That That's like, that door's not open. Oh, okay. Yeah, it <laughs> is. But also, but they're doing exactly what I would do if I was ashamed and not wanting to mm. get judged or picked on. Right. Like, okay. and I'd be afraid of that for sure. If I was there, right. Like, Oh, you're asking this question, so I can tell you how miserable I am, and then you can pick on me and like tell me how bad I am, mm-hmm. and like right? Because unfortunately, like we, we mm-hmm. get that everywhere. So
1: then, you would—is it safe to say that your assessment will be that everyone in the porn industry, in every facet of it, deep down inside, they don't want to be there doing what they're doing?
2: So I I tell myself that this story—that how could I feel good? about my last day of work when I was literally used right mm-hmm. like used for for used, used for money sold for you know like attention and likes right like that and you know and like unless you're at the very top of that pyramid like you're not getting like a whole lot out of that you know yeah, you and yeah. you might be it, it might be mm-hmm. financially lucrative for you or you might appreciate the attention but I, I like just Hearing the things I've heard people say, it's not connective. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not safe physically, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the things that happen to people's bodies, performers' bodies, are terrifying mm-hmm. once you find out, like, mm-hmm. they're not going to be the same for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just know this. I know that my brain uh, releases awesome chemicals. I sleep well. I'm satisfied when I'm safe, when I'm loved and, you know, seen and and appreciated and nurtured and cared for. But it sure doesn't release those chemicals when I'm not safe, when I'm being taken advantage of, when I'm used, when Mm. I'm like giving up not my value for not like compensation. Yeah, I don't think you could pay me enough to tell my girls that, yeah, that's a good trade. Go ahead and take your clothes off and let people put your pictures all over the Internet, no (laughs) matter what they pay you. Like, I just don't Mm. think that that's Mm -hmm. you're so valuable that why would you sell yourself for so little And so even the best prayed performer, I don't think it's enough. Like, I I really think that we're special. People are special and valuable and should be protected and seen as such. So I I have all these value things in my head, but it doesn't matter if they don't, you know, like, I mean, it doesn't matter to them if they don't have the same values in their head. So I'm Mm -hmm. not going to connect on the values, but what I might connect with is, you know, like a sincere ask of like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Are you happy? Um, Is there anything you need, right? And I think that it's that love, that kindness, that gentleness that maybe someday gives me the permission to say, hey, would you be willing to try something else? Or is there something else I could offer you? But if they don't want that, they can choose that too. Like that's for them and for them to say. And do I believe they're happy? I I don't because I could never see myself being happy. Mm -hmm. And I could never... I mean, I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a woman, and I actually, tend to think of women most when I think of this industry because I think they get used the most. But mm-hmm. guys do too. But I could never see my kids happy, and so I mean, maybe someone is legitimately happy, and that's you know what they feel like they were made for. And I don't. I don't know. Like just so how I.
1: So you mentioned like the chemicals released in the brain yeah. as a result of these things taking place, right? I always thought it was based on the lifestyle yeah. because just like documentaries I've watched and different things I've heard like these people make money and like they have nice lives. I mean, they have the things that money could buy, which the porn industry isn't the only industry that exists that can afford people these lifestyles. But just like you hear of CEOs of big companies or people that are wealthy, like committing suicide and things like that, I'm sure that's prevalent in the porn industry too, but but I didn't know about the chemicals released in relate like released in the brain. Like that's new information for me.
2: Well I think that like to that to that end, I think that people chase lifestyle to get their brains into certain states. Mm. Oh, okay. Right? Like okay. I mean what? so and unfortunately we we kind of know, like anecdotally and otherwise, it's not gonna work. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I get a million dollar a year job next year, like it's not going to change my brain state. I can still be just as depressed as I am today. I'll just have more Mm -hmm. money and resources to chase a solution. And unfortunately, the lifestyle is not the solution. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the food I eat, the quality of my clothes, like this isn't what changes that, you know, like my brain (laughs) chemistry Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and how satisfied I am. It's 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 a different thing that changes that. Right. And so, so so like, what's your goal then for the guys and gals who come and
0: see you? Like what, what kind of regimen are you trying to take them through Yeah. or
2: or what do you hope to see uh, for when they're ready to not have therapy anymore? Well, so I don't know that I'll ever not be ready to have therapy. (laughs) therapy. Yeah, yeah. So my, my goal is actually really, really simple. It's, it's stupid, simple actually. And sometimes people get a little offended when I tell them what I do, but my goal is just to hold the space, Mm -hmm. right? And that's in perpetuity. Like Mm -hmm. my, my job is to get myself ready for whatever needs to come out today in this space. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, we, I mean, I guess I market or I specialize in the sense that I see more people struggling with sex addiction and porn addiction and have sexual offenses and stuff like that. But as a therapist, I think our job as therapists is to be that safe space that maybe you don't feel mm-hmm. in your house or with your friends right now or in your church that you need a place to go to actually go there because mm-hmm. you know if you don't go there's not going to get dealt with and it's mm-hmm. just going to stick around so like my 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 job my goal personally is just to hold the space mm-hmm. and to make sure that I'm showing up so that I can be that other nervous system that other you know brain that other person with you so that you can face whatever it is mm-hmm. that you need to talk about as far as like uh actual treatment protocols we know that a few things help addiction. We know that the opposite of addiction is connection. So if you can mm. connect, just by coming to a therapist and talking about your issue, you're going to make some progress. It's going to get, mm. you know, you're going to you're going to be able to start making some headway. So creating connections, pointing to connections, helping solve problems of like how do I get more connected. Um, that's that's probably like it in a nutshell. But there's a lot of other stuff too. Like like you said before, again, like there's reasons why we do what we do other people might not understand those reasons mm-hmm. or feel like they're super valid but there's no reasons mm-hmm. and so getting to some of those reasons eventually right when i got more mm-hmm. faculty i'm not numb mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but, it's interesting even mm-hmm. etymologically connection is the opposite of addiction because it's addictio which means to like um, c- to take you away and connect you to something else mm-hmm. you know to yeah. the sin to that other yeah. thing like a, a slave or something and so the opposite of that would be kind
2: of a positive
0: uh, slavery or a positive mm. connection to to
2: a bonding. Yeah, like, a bonding. Yeah, yeah. So and bondage can go both ways too, you know, in the in a positive and negative sense. Yeah. So you're gonna be we're gonna be bound to something right. in life. Right. It's like what do you wanna what do you wanna serve? Right. Well, I tell people that you got you have two choices always. There's always a person. Always, always, always a person, and that—that's part of the gospel—is that I've got a person that I know I can connect to no matter what, all the time, mm-hmm. forever. Um, but it's also possible to work on that connection with another person, another human being. If I mm. don't connect to a human, I have to connect <laughs> to something, mm-hmm. and I'll—I mm-hmm. might—I might start connecting to technology. I might start connecting to pornography. I might start connecting to a substance. Mm. But I have to connect. It's just that's the way our brains are are wired. They—it's the way they worked. So it's almost like I get the image of my phone,
0: you know, that has this built-in like Wi-Fi going on that it's always trying to seek a connection, right? Yeah. When it when it when it's on, it's always searching for a signal. Yeah. And and humans are the same way and I I think that's I think that's super helpful and important for whether you're a kid, an older person that you're walking around searching for some kind of connection, mm-hmm. searching for a signal and you'll you'll find it. You know, whether it's through, whether it is through a phone or through a person or through healthy things or through uh, maladaptive things, too. But we're always searching for a connection. And that I mean, that's validating on the one hand. And so like if you're finding yourself um, at home alone, wanting to look at porn, say to yourself, what do you what are you searching for right now? What connection do you need right now? And is this a fantasy you're going to be connecting with? If so, you know, it's going to be like you're in the, you're in the desert and you see the mirage and you're about to get a mouthful of sand and, and that's not fun. Right. Um, or are you going to use some of these tools maybe that you learned in therapy, the strength that was built up and go and reach out to someone for help yeah. or go for a jog? <laughs> do something healthy to connect.
2: Yeah. I, I can connect with myself too. And I think mm. that that's actually the primary purpose of addiction okay. is I don't want to connect to parts of me. Mm. There's stuff that I mm. feel that just feels mm. so bad. And I don't want to feel that right now. I'm especially at the end of a work day. My kids are screaming. My house mm. is a mess. Like get me out of here. Right. Mm. Well, addiction serves that purpose pretty well because, uh, you know, I took click on the TV and get into that show and I don't feel any of that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a relief unfortunately it doesn't make that environment that was stressing me out any better and that's where you know that's where it gets complicated and that's where there's a little bit of calculus when you're working with someone Mm -hmm. and i don't want to take away someone's coping mechanism so they totally fall apart their life doesn't work Mm -hmm. but it's more like we we do the work to connect and help people build the strength to know that they can face whatever it is that they have they're up against because they without having to numb right like they
0: don't like them there's that shame too there's something about yourself. You don't want to, you feel uncomfortable with yourself. You don't want to connect with yourself. Yeah. And this, these other things are a distraction from, from that. You don't want to face that pain. Like last week with uh Tom Olson, we talked about um, Psalm 16. And when we have an idol, if we go after that idol, rather than just in order to soothe or comfort our pains, um, when we go after that, turns out our, our griefs only multiply. Yeah. He said, and that's what Psalm 16 says. So, so in fact we make it worse and then we need we need to find something else to handle those griefs that have multiplied. Yeah. So it is a cycle. Um, but I like that the ability just to um, to be able to connect with yourself. And then like pardon me as I I've, I've been thinking about this too cuz I'm I'm like stuck in my mind on why like if you're a guy a heterosexual guy like why is it females that you're wanting to see? Yeah. Like what is it? And like and I haven't figured it out yet, but there's something about the feminine. Like like I'm I'm grasping for feminines, yeah. you know, that person that's stuck. What I could be grasping for anything, yeah. like for coffee, for weasels, <laughs> for like anything, but what is it about the feminine that I'm grasping for? And and so based on what you said, is like, is there some part of me that um, I'm disconnected from some feminine part in me. Maybe it's my ability. Cause I like, I think about the, the feminine attributes, like the ability to create life or the, like creativity, the ability to comfort, yeah. to soothe, to rejuvenate. Like, is there, am I, am I out of touch, out of connection with that feminine, those feminine parts of me? And like, I'm trying to get it in this uh, maladaptive way well,
2: on the outside. I, so I work with, everybody from every walk of life and every orientation and one of the things that i think i've discovered in that process is that it's not a inherently masculine or feminine uh, equation it's really a value equation mm. and so like and it really depends on where your brain you know like grew and what it grew to value most right and so there are guys that i work mm. with that it's a, it's all about the the novel and the more novel the better and this is a this is a dangerous path to walk because you can you can get novelty, but in some can, t- yeah. I mean, novelty and novelty releases more dopamine in my head. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes it's just chasing that reward chemical. But mm-hmm. I mean, I could be I can be a heterosexual man and, and incredibly turned on by by something homosexual because of a novelty or because of a value mm-hmm. situation. And vice versa. And I, I think some of the trans movement actually has its roots here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Feminine, and you—you you started listening attributes that are inherently value equations. Mm-hmm. Like it's unbelievably valuable that you can bear life. Mm-hmm. It's valuable to me that you know, like you are different than I am because you have things I don't, right? And so, I think that, and that, and shame is a value issue too. Shame is I have no value, mm-hmm. and so I am looking for value, and because I need it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it is a currency that like actually keeps me alive, right? Because if I if I eventually go down the line far enough where I have no value. What's the point? Yeah, Like it's not worth, I'm worthless. You throw things away that are Mm -hmm. worthless. You don't continue to nurture them. You don't, you know, resource them. You don't get them help. You just Mm. throw them away. And so I think that a lot of what we're, what addiction ends up being is I'm looking for that value. And, Mm. and maybe I'm not finding the support to get it in a, in a way that actually addresses my issue. So I just rather not feel it. I just want to be numb, but Mm. I, people can go all over looking for value.
0: So part of and, helping people then too, or like if you have people in your life, like kids or friends, is to give them value, which yeah. <laughs> which sounds so counterintuitive because we want to say, oh, you're, I mean, m- maybe, maybe we wouldn't put it this way, but we're thinking you're such a horrible, rotten sinner, or we overly judge, but there, there's also the place of Of value, of letting someone know that they're loved and valued, right?
2: Well, that as a part of a help, that's the gospel. Like, the gospel is you're so valuable that something that was perfect and unblemished was traded for you. Mm -hmm. And so, whether or not you believe it or whether or not Mm -hmm. you feel it, like, there's the value. It already happened, it was an exchange. Mm -hmm. And for all time now, you have that value. Mm -hmm. And knowing that changes everything. Like if I have that value, then it's okay to walk into a place and say, I need some help right now. Because I have value and I'm worth yeah, helping. Yeah. And when someone else shows up and says, Hey, I, I'm really, I'm really over a barrel here, like, you know, it moves you because you recognize that well, they have that value too that I have. Mm. And so we can meet each other when we recognize each other's value. And society's got lots of ways of saying that, like the humanize them, right? Like, don't mm-hmm. but I mean It it all comes back to that. And they're seeking that and we're all seeking that. We all need that. And there's ways that you can find it that work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's ways that, you know, continue to erode at that value. And unfortunately, in my experience, like I've never seen someone, you know, come to me and be like, oh, Aaron, like before porn, I was a wretch. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like more like it's that wave action that, you know, wow, special, amazing but it can also erode everything out from mm-hmm. underneath you because it's not actually
1: giving you value. No. It's not real. Mm. So. Wow. So would you say that like all addictions are created equal?
2: No. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Um, but they, just because they deal with different systems in our body. I would say that um, and, and with respect to someone struggling with chemical addictions and knowing how hard it is mm-hmm. to escape those, I think that because of how primally central to our life food and sex are, mm-hmm. they're they're among the hardest. Mm-hmm. I think a oh, lot okay. of you know people say food and sex addictions are the ones that they just they're 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 you're never gonna live in this world without having to deal with food and sex. Mm-hmm. You just can't, mm-hmm. right? Like sex is inherently it's my body, yeah, I, and it's and pleasure. I <laughs> came into existence through an act of sex, right. And, hey, that's powerful right mm. and i have to eat i absolutely have yeah. to eat so like when you struggle with these it, as addictive things mm. like it's just really really like hard the must-haves in life the level of bondage mm. is just way deeper mm. you're you're in that next level down of prison because mm. you can't avoid it you mm. just can't there's no sense of like well i'll just stop going to the bar or i'll stop buying the stuff and then i'll be okay nope nope you're gonna wake up every day and have to carry it with you and try to figure out how you're gonna do better and so, um, yeah, if that, I mean, if that was your question. Mm-hmm. Like, do
1: do you see that those two addictions are different than a chemical addiction because the chemical addictions actually like physically capture our body where we almost become out of control or would you say that's the same for all of them?
2: Yeah. They all, I think all addictions mm-hmm. capture our body and there's a sense <clears throat> of you lose control, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. feeling like I'm in control, um, when I'm when I'm bound to something, I need something, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean, all but all addictions, just it's insidious. It's the, you know, the American Addiction Society calls it a brain disease, right? Because mm. my brain starts to actually form all the neural connections to support mm. the addiction more than me and life, okay. right? And so that that's what happens. Like recovery from addiction, it starts off with let's get the chemical mix normalized. It actually happens pretty quickly. It's like a month <clears> or two the chemical levels in your brain somewhat go back to like normal processes, Mm. but it's those neural pathways that we built that are those habits that are those like automated processes that we built that they take a while to root out. And really you don't root them out. You just build a better road in your head Mm -hmm. that becomes more preferred. But that's the thing is once you build that neural pathway in your head, it's kind of there.
1: Would you, would you say that if abstinence from any addiction is possible that that will make the addiction go away, or no. not. And I'm asking because, like me being in prison, some yeah. things I discovered that I can't have right. when I was in prison for the amount of years I was there. I just kind of felt like, hey, problem solved. Mm. But then you get out of prison, and those right. things pop their ugly heads up, and it's like, whoa! I thought I, I thought that was gone.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So abstinence works as long as you stay abstinent
1: okay okay that makes you sense. know so
2: but absence isn't the solution because really absence is just the unplugging of something but it's not actually mm. dealing with me as i am and who i am yeah. and where i am yeah. and so i tell people that addiction is a lot like diabetes like once you have it you have it mm. and it doesn't mean that you can't live a full meaningful satisfying life there are people with diabetes at every station in our world like professional athletes and you know mm-hmm. like and they're living full, meaningful, satisfying lives, but they have some restrictions. They have some boundaries that are maybe you feel unique mm. to them, mm-hmm. or at least to that condition. Addictions like that. Mm. I, as an addict, and I identify as an addict. There's just some stuff that my system can't handle and can't tolerate. Stuff you can't and stuff you can't do, and right? that has to yeah. be monitored. Like yeah, I yeah. have to actively monitor it, or I'm in real threat. Yeah, you're in danger. Yeah, I'm yeah. in yeah. danger, and that's the thing that I want to say to anybody that's struggling with an mm. addiction is. Listen, you're valuable and you're in danger by something. Like we get addicted to things, right? Like you're in danger of something and it's threatening you and it it'll wreck you. And if we could get some better, you know, protection for you from that, you're not bad. You're just mm-hmm. under threat, you know, and yeah. duress. And see, thing. see, it's interesting
1: you mm-hmm. say that because when it comes to addiction, I've like, you know, you have like the secular world and you have the church world. Mm-hmm. And in the secular world, and like an, in any of the anonymous, they'll tell you once an addict, always an addict. Right. But then you get in the church world, and some people will say, well, you've been delivered from the grip of sin, and God can, can take away the urges yep. for this particular sin, and you're freed of it. Therefore, don't say, I'm an addict still, and go mm-hmm. live your life in freedom not having to worry about that. And it's like... That seems like that makes sense, but this seems like it makes sense too. How do I hold both of these yeah. equally if that's even possible?
2: Jesus didn't really say to the people he delivered, "You're delivered now for all time and like you're good." He said, "Go sin no more." Mm-hmm. Like he's like, "You're you're healed, but but go, but don't go back, right?" And mm-hmm. so, and not going back is an active process. It's not something that just happens. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I I would actually say that deliverance is a real thing. Like you can be delivered from negative urges and have those urges replaced with a desire to protect your family and protect women and, and be really respectful. Um, But you, there's an active process of not going back to that old way. That's not respectful. And you could, you absolutely could. And quick, really quick. Like you said, you got out of prison and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you see it and it's like, Whoa. Right. And so, and that's a boundary issue. Like, right. Like if I can set up the boundaries that work for me, functionally, that keep me safe Mm -hmm. and we protect things that are valuable. And do we protect ourselves? Do we recognize, hey, I've got that infinite, eternal value that was worth that ultimate sacrifice and trade? I should probably protect myself. Because, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I shouldn't throw myself out there. To- yeah. mm-hmm. The reason
1: I ask is because I would say that I was once addicted to weed. yeah, And, um, like, I've been subjected to it numerous times, not lately, where I could have indulged. Um, in, a, in a in a in in an illegal way years ago, and now in the last few years in a legal way, right. even in other states, and I had no desire, you know. Mm-hmm. But I know that if I stay around that, yeah, repeatedly, that there's a good chance I may indulge.
2: I'm not going to bring you gummies, <clears throat> you know, Louis, because I I respect the fact that you want to be free from that, right? Yeah, but,
1: I mean, it doesn't play a place in my life, so I don't want right. to indulge in it. I think right. there's also. Um,
2: something going on
0: about, um, replacing one desire with another desire, Mm. you know, which is important. Mm. And for the Christian, um, some Christians would say when you're born again, you're, you have a new, a new heart, Mm -hmm. a new, um, and a new desire and that's God. Mm -hmm. And, um, an older Christian said it was the, uh, expulsive power of a greater affection. Yeah. So, we I have God in my life now, you know, and and I want to try to please Him. He's my greater mm-hmm. affection and and I'm learning more about myself through him, and I'm getting value from the saints, from the church. Uh, and I have maybe a mechanism via a small group or whatnot to confess. And like I have all these other pieces in place that are that are healthy. And when those things, those temptations like weed or mm-hmm. come in, it's like, um,
2: why would I trade what I have for that? Yeah. yeah and,
0: and, and and why would I trade? But also what I have is so much better. And, and this other thing didn't do it for me as okay. much. Now, now if I get into a place where I'm, I'm disconnected from a small group, disconnected from God, disconnected from myself and others, then yeah, weed or porn will um, maybe convince me that it has a greater ability then and a greater mm. strength and power. Uh, So, yeah, those are my two thoughts Mm. about that. Wow,
1: Deep topic, man. I know we could probably talk about this for several (laughs) more hours at least, you know, but we're getting kind of close to the end. So, man,
0: anything else you want to add before we uh, um, I know one thing I did want to add was like you always say that you hate perfect. Yeah. And Mm. like what's the role of perfectionism? Uh, in all this, or the place of it in all this. Yeah. So as we wrap up,
2: theologically, philosophically, for me, God's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I know that I'm not God. I, and I, I've learned over time, and I think I don't, I don't want to be anymore. And so, God's perfect, but and He's given me a path to Him, and a, you know, there's a heading, and you know, so if I'm trying to be perfect, if I'm trying to convince myself as a, as a believer that I have to uphold perfection, like the, I've fallen in, I've already, mm-hmm. I'm already in my face, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because it's just not possible. Yep. Like, we know what perfect is because we've encountered him, Mm -hmm. but it's not our reality. And it's never going to be our reality. Mm -hmm. And so we're always going to have that, you know, like sense that we're not. But I think that that's the magnet that draws. And so I want to process. I just want to make progress. Mm -hmm. If I can make progress, I can rest Mm -hmm. in in, in in the fact of progress. Like, I'm on a journey. I'm a pilgrim. I'm not, you know. And the other thing, too, is like, I thought I got there several times in my life. I mm-hmm. really thought I was there mm-hmm. and then I had to take another step and it was away from where I wanted to be. So yeah. like, it's not that it's, it's really, it really is about the journey and not the destination. Cause let's just mm. say that you get there, you're going mm-hmm. to stand on top of the world. That next step sucks. <laughs> it's a grief, not a blessing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, I just want to be able to walk a, a little bit at a time and sustainably and at a pace that I can handle and keep going. And so, perfection is that it's a trap mm-hmm. it's just a trap and it it binds people up too because mm-hmm. if i think at least you're not gonna ever accept me because right like i love Ohio state. <laughs> oh how state i've going to come in like you know mm. spewing blasphemy yeah. talking about like that team up north like they're yeah. okay and acceptable no right like i don't yep. but i but now i'm split myself and mm-hmm. so it's just no one who's trying to be perfect is going to ever have any peace and that's that's a travesty and so right like it's okay like i i do think that's the direction we're heading but it's a direction it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not a place not anonymous not this side of heaven yeah right yeah right Right.
1: so wow Mm, that's good
2: Mm, that's good stuff man thank you for joining
1: us today yeah thank you brother man it's (laughs) Man, it's some deep stuff, y'all. Whoever's listening to this, again, like maybe you feel like this doesn't resonate with me or it doesn't apply to me. Man, I would ask you to stop. Think about some young people in your mm-hmm. lives. Maybe you don't have an issue. Maybe maybe you're a, a guy and you know some guys and, you, and you're and you a real type of guy. Like I'm a guy and I like to talk about deep stuff and hard mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe it's getting together one-on-one with guys that you are good friends with and, and asking some tough questions about this topic, whether it be porn or... Um, specifically, but just addiction in general, you mm-hmm. know, or maybe you're a, a woman, you know, because women can have addictions too. Mm-hmm. You know, we all are broken humans who can be addicted to things. And I say the first thing we need to do is like get on our knees, like mm-hmm. and cry out to God and say, man, help me, mm-hmm. the wretched sinner that I am. And then seek help. I like one of the things you said, which there were many, Aaron, is like a therapist. You hear about therapists, like, man, you a shrink? Mm-hmm. You got a couch I'm supposed to lay on? Like there may be some old thinking but i still think when you see a doctor like a body doctor you really don't think much about it but if you go see a brain mm-hmm. doctor unless it's brain surgery mm-hmm. like psychologist or therapist is like oh man something wrong with you there ain't nothing wrong with you mm-hmm. i mean well there is but guess <laughs> what you're going to go get some help mm-hmm. so if you have an issue seek help mm-hmm. like christ is there god is there to help you but he's gifted men and women who have been trained that know how to have mm-hmm. conversations and connect with you to just talk about what's mm-hmm. going on in life and ask the, some good questions to help you maybe see some things that can help you like overcome these sins that God doesn't want us to mm-hmm. live in. So that's all that's I got to right. say.
0: That's great. And check us out. We're on Instagram now.
1: Uh-oh, we on IG. Yeah.
0: Woo-wee! And we're posting things uh, daily. Daily uh, baby. Check us out. Hard us. Is that the right word? Hardest. Yeah, I guess like us, hardest. Whatever. All right.
2: Peace.